0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin.
2: Hey, what's up, people? This is Maurice Perry filling in for Ray, and I'm here with J.D. Harris. What's going on, man? Man, crack the ackle bro. I really appreciate you. <laughs> man no problem no problem you had asked me to uh fill in and and uh hold it down this week so i definitely oblige and i thank you for this opportunity but hey you know there's a lot that's been going on this we are in the midst of what i consider my favorite week of the year when we have multiple sports going on man and i hope to get into just a little bit of uh major league baseball later on and of course, tonight is opening night of the NHL, and we got preseason basketball going on and uh, some good college games last week and, and some this week. But, of course, we're going to start with the NFL. Did you uh, have a chance to uh, check out a multitude of games? I know you, you were in San Diego at the uh, San, Diego game, San Diego-Cleveland game, right?
3: Yeah, I was at that game, and uh, I learned some life lessons uh, going into sitting in the stands at the game um, it, it good game. San Diego, actually, believe it or not, when I got there, it decided to rain. And so I was like, oh, crap. Really? Oh, yeah. So long story short, I was there uh, with um, my friend Mia. And Mia is a very attractive lady. And the drunkard that was sitting behind me uh, just was obnoxious and, you know, kind of messing with her. Uh, you know, like she took a picture, hanging up fingers over a camera, okay, cool, first time. Second time, you know, as a dude, you start to get agitated. It's like, all right, you know, first time, <laughs> second time, I'm ready to say something. She looked at me like, don't say anything, because, you know, and I wasn't even thinking from her perspective. Long story short, they were like, who are you cheering for? Uh, the the drunk guy's friend. I was like, nobody. Well, you can cheer. Won't you join us? I was like, I would join you, but I heard some of the comments your boys whispered to you. And every, it was like a pin could drop after that. So she was <laughs> mad at me. She was like, what are you going to You know, later on, you know, what are you going to do? Fight everybody? I'm, I'm an attractive woman. This is what happens. And so I was like, I got her point. But, you know, as a dude, it's like, you're not going to do, you know, even if it's not even my girl or whatever, I'm going to say something. So it was a life lesson. I was like, okay, you know, it, it's just a sign of the times now. So, but that was my experience. Yeah, I hear you. Ask answer your question. I did. I I only got the Monday night game, and that game in. So uh, shame on me in the Thursday night game. So shame on me this week. But that's why I, I could count on my boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, I I looked at a couple of games this weekend, and of course, you know, followed a couple of games, but. You know, one thing's for sure, there's trouble in what we thought would be paradise, and that is Philly and in Buffalo. What's going on there, man? You know,
3: Philly, I didn't necessarily think that they would set the world on fire. I think that some of their moves, uh, no pun intended, were offensive moves. Uh, Like, for example, going for DeMarco Murray. I don't think that they went after him necessarily because they wanted him. They went after them so Dallas wouldn't keep them. You know, uh, sometimes the best way to stop your enemy is to have your enemy with you <laughs> or your competition with you. So I think that was the case. And I think Chip Kelly is starting to learn that the NFL is a grown man's league. And, you know, they're preparing every week like, you know, preseason is a tease. Buffalo, on the other hand, I'm not as concerned with. I think it's just early. They're in a tough division. I think that, you know, they still got to play New England again, and it's not like they were that far off. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but, you know, that's what kind of concerns me with Buffalo because they're in a tough division with, uh, you know, New England and uh, the Jets who are playing pretty good this year. Miami is another story we'll get into in a second. But uh, that's why I'm kind of concerned with them because going in, you're thinking that the Buffalo defense would be – a top 3 top 5 defense but you know they've been getting manhandled the last couple of weeks it started with uh New England and uh even this week you know they they had some difficulties with with Philly you know I, I think we talked about this uh a couple of weeks ago this is about personnel i mean like you said this is a man's league and if you don't have the pieces and they traded away a lot of pieces not only at the skill positions but off on, also on the offensive line you're so talking I think that, this, you're talking yeah, about Philly, yeah, I'm right? talking about Philly, yeah, and I, I think that's you know what's going on there. I don't know what Chip Kelly was thinking, you know, making all of these moves and letting guys go, but I think that's what really hindered uh, them right now. And, I, and I'm scared, you know, I, I picked them to you know make it to the Super Bowl, but right now I'm afraid they might end up finishing last in the in the division. So I I really don't know.
3: I think. Uh, Philly went into this thing, uh, well, I shouldn't say Philly, I think Chip Kelly, he got his uh, GM out of there, so now he's the guy, and I think he went in thinking that, you know, because he's used to being the smartest guy in the room, and I think he's starting to see now that, uh, that everybody else is just as smart as him, and the NFL game is different than the college game, and so... Uh, you know, especially with the collective bargaining agreement, people can't practice the way they practice. So, with his system, you know, timing is everything. And I think it takes a while for offenses offenses to jail. And you had the quarterback carousel at first, so I'm not. I never predicted them to be like the top in the division. Well, I felt like they'll be good, but I think that it's still going to take some time. So I think about what week eight, if they're having problems, then yeah, but I think he's go, if he stays the course, it doesn't change too much that they'll get it. they'll get that cohesiveness.
2: Yeah, well, you know the thing is we're looking at the n f c East and we're looking at Dallas sitting at uh two and two now. we're looking at uh New York that's also sitting at two and two. And Washington, uh, what are they? Two and two now? Mm-hmm. One and three, two and two, something like that. So, you know, they have an uphill, you know, climb to make. But I, I really, I'm at the point right now, I, I just don't see them possibly winning the division. And when we get into talking about a wild card spot, you know, I, the wild card spot isn't coming out of that division either. It's either out of the NFC West or possibly the uh, NFC North.
3: Yeah, because well, even,
2: even the NFC South, uh,
3: you know, uh, yeah, because you have Atlanta and Carolina that's playing decent ball. Um, but I, I think it's going to be more the north and the west. I mean, you look at the west, uh, the Rams came in, uh, you know, they beat Arizona, which I've heard personally that Arizona or the past few years. That's the team that pretty much gave them the mo- most fits was, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona, I mean, uh, S- St. Louis. So that division, I think the, yeah, the two wildcards are coming out of the West for sure.
2: And, uh, the North. Yeah. So moving on, let's, let's talk about what just, uh, transpired a couple of days ago in, in Miami, uh, uh, with, uh, the, the booting of a uh, field bin. I believe the, the writing was on the wall the last couple of weeks, um, so I, I think that, you know, it, it was beyond that time. And I actually like the cut of the jib of, uh, the guy that's taken over Campbell. Uh, he, in his press conference, he stressed, you know, wanting to really set the tone and practice and, 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 and bring some physicality and practice. My whole thing is, and you, you mentioned it with the the collective bargaining agreement and the amount of time that these guys practice has a culture already been set for this team for this season, or can you turn it around in the middle? You know, we're at the quarter pole of the season. Is there enough time to really turn this around and play some competitive football?
3: Well, here's two things. Uh, one of the things is, you know, he went in and this week he did Oklahoma drill with his with his guys. That's not going to rub off well with uh, professional players in the middle of their season. Uh, mm-hmm. But then this is also a team that's absent of a lot of you know long term veteran leadership. You know, with the scandal a couple of years ago with Richie Incognito and things like that. So. You know that dark cloud is looming, and he was a part of that staff when it loomed. So I don't think, I don't think he's necessarily going to get guys to rally behind around him, because the guys still will probably look at him as a lame duck, unless they gave him took off the interim title, or unless people just hated Philbin. Then yeah, but if he's feeling like he has to do that and change the culture, ch- chances are the guys aren't going to buy into him either so you know they're like well this dude ain't gonna be here uh he got 12 games so he's not gonna be here at the end why should we you know even really sell out to him and then this fool is jeopardizing you know he only has 14 days that he can pad it up anyway so uh i just think that it's a place that's go- a ship that's sinking fa- sinking fast to be quite honest
2: yeah, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I agree with that and I, I kind of disagree because when the news came out yesterday that uh, Philbin had told the DBs to basically, you know, basically let Tannehill complete passes and not apply any pressure. I guess the practice before they played over in London last week, the D, you know, the defense was basically abused and Tannehill and, and just creating havoc everywhere on the field for them, you know, when they were scrimmaging. And uh, Tannehill had made some comments about, you know, them being practice squad players and, you know, enjoy your practice squad check. But uh, when when Philbin basically told them to, you know, calm it down, dial it down a little bit on defense, the the defense basically revoked and, and stopped, stopped practicing. So I, I think that's where – you know, uh, Campbell came in and he was like, okay, we need to change the culture. This is going to be a competitive culture. We're going to set it in practice. And he, you know, went down the line, you know, naming players starting with Sue and and on, you know, and also on the offensive side of the ball, that the culture of, of the team begins in practice. So I, I think that that was probably part of the reason why he had said what he said in the, in the press conference.
3: Yeah, I, I just... Having experienced the league and seeing things like that, you know, coaches are already planning, looking for their next job, you know, because they know this guy's probably not going to be there at the end of it. And they're, you know, they're looking at those things. So I just feel like it's too much going on for it to happen in the season for anything good to come out of it.
2: Very yeah, seldom has that
3: ever happened. So even well, we're with- going
2: to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We have to go to a break, but uh, we're going we're to continue with this when we get back from the break. All right. We'll all be right. back.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Got it With 2.8 seconds left to oh, left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we, cover we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. One eight 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 three four six nine one four four, or send an email to JD Harris at high dash Now let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back, uh, JD. Was just uh, finishing up a point about Miami before we went to break. Uh, what were you uh, saying about Miami?
3: I, I just I think it's very difficult for them to come together. Uh, just with the different coaches and everybody, you know, lobbying. I've been in situations where a coach has been changed during the duration of the season, and guys are like, okay, maybe they, with the new guy in charge, they don't necessarily like him, and, or they're like, okay, we're not going to make it. You know, we know if he gets a job, we're not hired. So everybody is in damage control mode, which I think makes it very difficult. You, that stuff carries onto the field, to be quite honest. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, like we were talking about in the break, uh, the one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is if there's going to be any change on the defensive side of the ball because I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they were playing a 3-4, and basically Sue's job in that was to take on two blockers, and he hasn't hasn't really had a chance to get free and, and, and apply pass rushes. But uh, do you think there will be any chance that they move back to a 4-3? Uh,
3: you know what? I think they'll have a hybrid of it on certain situations, like, you know, third and four or whatever. Uh, but I don't know if they'll change their base defense because it's just not that. It's the, cha- the type of linebackers. And the 3-4, those linebackers now put their hand in the dirt and they become defensive ends. And then with the 3-4 system, uh, he'll be a nose tackle. Yes, he's a plugger. Uh, But, you know, in a 3 4 system, he has two gap control. So he may control both A gaps. Where he goes, that's where everybody else goes. Where a 4 3, he has one uh, gap control, and that's, you know, that may be the A gap or the B gap, and he's rushing. So they may put him at a 3 technique and just let him raise havoc. So I think that they'll do it on, I don't think they'll change the entire system. And the season is just too much to do with personnel and stuff like that. I think that uh, maybe next season or, you know, if it doesn't work out, they trade them. You know, um, it depends on who the coach comes in. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade them. I'd, I would go ahead and play. But, yeah, I just think that it will be a hybrid of a 4-3 uh, on situational. But it will be too many personnel changes to change it to 3-4. I mean, from a 3-4 yeah, yeah. to 4-3. That's kind of why the Bears got rid of Jerry Allen. You know, he had value still, but it was going to be very difficult, you know, I mean, he, for him to play in a 3-4, and, you know, he did okay, but he wasn't great at it.
2: Yeah, and now he's in, in Carolina, which uh, brings us to then let's, – let's talk about the NFC South, what's going on there. We have two undefeated teams in Carolina, Atlanta. Uh, both of them are playing good ball. But in different ways, Uh, I think Carolina, you know, one thing about Cam, he's that, you know, he's he's taking his time. He's 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 taking care of the ball. He's not forcing the issue. He's not forcing throws and he's picking up those short yardage third downs with his legs. Whereas with Atlanta, you have Julio Jones, who's on on pace to, you know, have a breakout season. We know how great he, he is. But now you see some contention with uh, Roddy White, who seems to be unhappy with his usage, uh, with the you know increase of um, the touches that Julio Jones is getting. So, what do you think about the NFC South?
3: I think Atlanta obviously is the team to beat uh, to me because both sides of the ball, they're just they're solid, and you know their running game is getting there. Uh, when Devin Hester comes back, you know you boost up your special teams. I mean, you know, and Roddy White, let's face it, last year he was, he had his time to beat a man when Julio was dinged up and stuff like that. So, I mean, he'll get over winning, continual winning changes things. Uh,
2: yeah, winning, winning cures all ills. That's, that's what yeah, what they for the most say. Part.
3: Uh, but <laughs> Carolina, I still don't trust them. Uh, and what I say that is, you know, they just, I think they're solid, and, I mean, you got to remember, this was a division that barely, for the past couple of years, barely came out 500. Um <laughs> So I just think that, you know, Cam is a long season, uh, and then with whatchamacallit, Saint, the Saints being the Aints right now, even though I love my boy Drew Brees, he's a consummate professional, I think he's one of the top three, four quarterbacks in the league still, uh, I, sometimes I think he goes under the radar, but by far, I'll say this. He's the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen, period. Um, but I just don't think they have enough things around him to get it going. And so basically you have the the top three, and then, um, yeah, I just I see Atlanta just taking it off.
2: Well, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in New Orleans. I'm not ready to write them off yet. Because just as you said, you know, talking about Carolina having some deficiencies, uh, especially with the wide receiver position. um, He's basically, you know, throwing to guys that have never been heard of, but, you know, they're they're playing well right now. But I want to see how New Orleans responds to their win uh, at home against Dallas, you know, will this be some type of catalyst that really propels them into their next few games, especially when we start getting into divisional games, you know, when they face Atlanta, when they face Carolina, you know, they, they have four games against them coming up. So who knows what can happen by the, you know, halfway by the time we get to eight games, you know, who knows what the division rankings will look like then. But the
3: team we're not talking about is Tampa Bay.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, and that, that's for a reason. <laughs> that's and,
3: right. And, and, and I think that Tampa Bay, I still say this Tampa Bay, in my opinion, I would have to say Tampa Bay would have done did, did better drafting Leonard Williams and picking up uh, Bryce Huntley or somebody like that in the second round. And I don't think Jameis is a lost cause, but I think he, you know, I think they had too many porous things on their offense already. You know, Vincent Jackson, I think he's a good flex tight end. I don't think he's an outside receiver. Mike Evans, he's been banged up. Your running game has been subpar. But here's the thing with Lovey Smith's team solid defense and special teams have gotten them in games, kept them in games. Those are two things that's absent, you know, and, and running the ball.
2: Yeah. They can't, you know, go ahead. Oh no, that's true. You know, and I, and I just had, that was a a regional game on Sunday here. Um, and I just so happened to watch that entire game against Carolina. And I was, and I don't know if you saw my, uh, text about that. uh, And I tweeted about it. Um, Winston didn't have a bad game. Jameis didn't have a bad game. You know, I think he finished with, uh, what, four interceptions. But let me tell you, a lot of that came late in the game when he was pressing, he was trying to make plays. But early in that game, there were so many drop balls by every single receiver on that squad. I mean, big play drop balls, you know, and it's like, when you have a rookie quarterback, you have to have guys that step up and make the plays when they're there, and I think that you know throughout that entire game there was there were situations where they could have made big plays, big yardage, but you know drops here, drops there and and it just scul- squelched you know good drives. so I think that was the issue and that and that type of thing can frustrate a young quarterback also and, and that's where I
3: go back to it. There are some things about him that, again, for me, and what I like to see out of, like being in that position, Tampa wasn't one player away from being a contender. So, them getting him with the right pieces, and then the pressure of being the number one, number one, it changes the whole dynamic. Where if you got a defensive player, defensive tackle, which that instantly changes the game because the one the game is won on the line of scrimmage so yeah i yeah. just I, for me i just think that they're gonna have a long season
2: and yeah, then, it's gonna be a long season and then, that-
3: then that's where the character who you have on your team really shows up
2: yeah yeah and especially you know what i want to see is is there going to be somebody that's going to step up and be a leader on that defense? And, and right now, I think that defense is void of, of leadership. So that, that one guy that's going to step up and take the defense by the reins and say, okay, look, the, what, the way that we've been playing is unacceptable. We gave up 37 points against Carolina. That is absolutely unacceptable. Now, granted, you know, some of that was short fields that were created by turnovers, but at the same time, hey, you got to make a play. You have to get off the field. You have to create turnovers. And that's another thing about Lovey's teams. You know, you know, you know, uh, keep it, you know, bend, but don't break great special teams, but also creating turnovers. And right now they're just not creating the turnovers necessary to to, to, you know, basically facilitate being competitive in this uh, NFC South.
3: And I will question too their special teams play. You know, mm-hmm. didn't they just have to get rid of the kicker or whatnot or cut somebody this week? So, I mean, they just have a lot of holes. So that's really, I've me personally, I've counted the Saints out. You know, I just don't feel like they have the receiving power, and that's necessary for them. I'm counting Tampa Bay out. They'll be in the top five picks next year. They'll probably go get them alignment or defense lineman now or safety. To show up, but yeah, I love Lovey, but yeah, the South, the 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 NFC South has some trouble, and I don't yeah, think those yeah. other two only team I think that can really survive out of division is Atlanta.
2: Well, we shall see, and we're gonna go ahead and take a break right now. When we get back, we're gonna finish up talking about uh, kicking in the NFL, and then we're gonna go into some college. So we'll be back. <laughs>
4: your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports are you ready to talk sports with a passion get ready for cheap shots with luther broughton and micah warren we'll start off with the nfl pretty much always but the talk moves along from there we'll talk about the events of the week opinions from the big names and predictions of what's to come plus we'll get to hear from you the ultimate fan don't let the name of the show fool you we're in it for the good stuff Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time or p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a ass and they move oh, I just, and get I just ready. think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. And he... <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up, speak up or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports.
1: you're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to JD Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, we, we're still talking about the NFL, and there's one thing that's really been bothering me, uh, and it's... It's definitely been on display the last two weeks and that is the state of field goal kicking in the NFL. Man, it is absolutely horrendous. Why are you absolutely tripping? Why you <laughs> I'm just saying, dude, it it really makes the games suck. When when it comes down to get and I don't know, you know, that's a, a big part of the game, but it's like, man, these guys are putting effort in, climbing back into games. And, you know, Michael, a perfect example, Michael Vick, you know, in Pittsburgh. Vick played well. You know, he it was very conservative in terms of the play calling. But for that game to be determined by the, the just terrible field goal kicking by Scobie, and I think he's gone, right? I think they picked yeah. up somebody else. And uh, there was another game I was looking at that was regional uh, Indianapolis and uh, Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's kicker uh, missed a couple of field goals that could have uh, sealed the deal also. Uh, one in regulation, actually he missed one where uh, Indy's coach called a timeout, then he wished, missed the next one. You're thinking, okay, he should have calibrated his kick and should have been able to hit it, but it tailed to the right. Then the one in overtime, uh Uh, tail to the left so it's like what is going on with these kickers
3: well you know I think part of it too uh, with the changing of things now you're practicing further out Um, and I think the consistency of like the wear on your legs I think and I sound like a broken record but I think the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement hurt a lot of people in a lot of different ways Uh, and I think that, you know, I'm, I kind of disagree with you that uh, not liking it, I like it because I think it brings even more challenge to the game. Uh, because before people were like, okay, what's the point of an extra point? You know, it's like, you're going to make 99.9% of them.
2: So I think this, but you know. But, you know, it's it's not the extra. I, I have no problem with them pushing it back, what, 10 yards for the extra point. I'm just speaking in, in terms of the field goals themselves. I mean, when guys are hitting, missing 35, 40-yard chip shots, that's a problem. And, you know, sure. this is where, you know, you can see where guys are frustrated with kicking because, you know, some of these teams, man, you can have three or four games in a season that are determined by poor kicking, you know, Ooh. and I, I think that. You know, the game, the thir- the uh, the game with Pittsburgh was the perfect example that that Thursday night game where Pittsburgh should have came away with a win. You know, Mike Vick, he did what he had to do. Yeah, he missed that fourth fourth down throw. You know, but you're going to miss throws like that, especially throwing across your body. That was a, a much more difficult throw than than people real you know think it was. But Scobie missed two. Critical field goals that could have sealed that game, and then you're putting the coach Tomlin in a precarious situation of not trusting your kicker, and and that's why you know it, it just destroyed the entire game.
3: Yeah, that that's the way it goes. Sometimes <laughs> it's like you know, and football is a third of the game, or special teams is a third of the game, and no one likes a kicker until you until he wins it for you. <laughs> it's like yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, I mean, you have a uh, Robbie Gold that won one for the Bears, you know, so they they got off their losing snide and finally got a win against Oakland. So that was a good story with kicking. But overall, man, the kicking has been terrible, absolutely terrible. But, hey, you know, let's talk about a little bit, a little bit of college football. Um it was a big weekend last weekend in college football, and there's a big weekend coming up also. Uh, one thing that uh, I definitely took note of: Bama made a statement. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the game, but they pretty much man- manhandled. Uh, who, who was that? Uh, Georgia. Uh, I think Georgia had, was a three-and-a-half point favorite playing at home, and everybody was picking Georgia, and I think that was fuel for the fire. And they went into Athens and put a thorough beat down on them. So even with one loss uh, and at the start of SEC play, I think, you know, you cannot count Bama out of that SEC West. Um, Notre Dame going into Clemson. uh, The funny thing with that is, you know, Clemson basically controlled the game all the way through until the fourth quarter. And I'm upstairs trying to put my daughter to sleep, and I actually fell asleep on the fourth quarter. <laughs> and I look at the score later on that night. I think uh, Clemson ended up hanging on to win 24-22. And I called my dad. I was like, what happened? Uh, and uh, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I haven't even seen the highlights of what happened. But Yeah, I actually um,
3: was going to watch the repeat today, in fact. Uh, I had it up. But uh, here's the thing. For Notre Dame uh, to be – the young the backup quarterback, he scared me, you know, and I he still scares me, but I think he'll be good down, you know, a year from now. But right now, they're just they're they're in survival mode.
2: Well, you know, that's gonna create an interesting situation because I, I think he is playing well and he's learning on the job. But uh when uh the starter comes back next year, um I, I can't think of his name. Zeke. Uh, you you may see a situation like Ohio State's with Cardale and and Barrett, where you have two QBs that can do the job, and it creates a little friction uh, in house and also through throughout the sports rioting world. Okay, who who should be starting? But what do you think?
3: I think it could, but I don't think it will. And uh, I uh, I know we're about to go into break. I think that. Uh competition is always good for any team. And I think Zeke was clearly uh steps ahead of him. So I don't think I don't think of a uh, it will be a problem at the end.
2: I think we have a little bit of time left.
3: Oh okay. Yeah, I think so, we have a
2: little bit of time left. All right, so I'm um.
3: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so with that I, I, I just think that um, Zeke um being left-handed creates some other issues. Uh, and this other kid, you know, sometimes you learn the game even more sitting watching. So, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think it's Ohio State. Ohio State had so many other factors going in. You know, they had won a national championship with the quarterback. And I think that's where stuff kind of got twisted. And Braxton had been the starter for a couple years. So it, that's where I think the difference was there.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's a very good segue because I want to talk about Ohio state. Uh to me it seems like Ohio state is taking on the the wh- what Florida state, you know, did last year where, you know, the the previous year they basically, you know, flew through the regular season and they they pretty much dominated even in the in the uh, title game, um, but the following year they really struggled. There were a couple of games in that ACC where they uh, went down to the wire. I think with Wake Forest one game, NC State with another. You know, teams that they should have you know basically blown out of the water. And I think that Ohio State is going through that same uh trouble right now. A, a lot of it is uh basically going through the motions. I think some of it is um Urban Meyer experimenting with the passing game, but not necessarily using it basically trying to save Elliot for the latter part of the season, especially when it gets cold. Uh, uh, another part of it is just, you know, Cardell and his leadership ability Coming into question because I think that you know during that playoff run, it was Cardell and nobody else because you had Braxton Miller down, you had j t Barrett down, so now you 're seeing Cardell kind of struggle a bit with the with j t. Barrett behind his shoulder and his mind like hey, I got to to you know perform and I think he's pressing some and trying to make throws that he shouldn't be making and that's why he's made a couple of turnovers.
3: See, so here's my my whole view on it. First, um I will have to say this. Last year you had Devin Smith who was a first round pick as a wide receiver because the boy could go, which was a difference maker. Uh, I think that, you know, that dynamic, I think that, you know, with Braxton there at receiver. I mean, you have a lot of different parts and yes, urban is trying to get the ball to Braxton, but you also have the people now that you don't want a national championship. The first one ever. Guess what? Absolutely. You have, a, you have a, everybody is living. Everybody's season is to beat you. So everybody's getting hyped when they see Ohio state national champions on their schedule to come Absolutely. out. And so, Absolutely. and so, this is everybody's national, every week, yours everyone else's national championship game. And, you know, we know the hardest thing is to repeat. And so uh, I think that's one of the issues that they're facing. And to me, you know, and I don't know if you, like, even last year, I thought Cardell Jones was good, but I, I've always questioned Urban Meyer's quarterbacks. And, I mean, they're good for that system. Those guys really aren't typically pro ready. Um, you know, you go back to Chris Leak, you go to uh, Alex Smith. It took a while. I mean, it took Jim Harbaugh to help him out. You go to Tim Tebow, uh, and then you go to recent years. And I just think that, yeah, I, I don't. Th- I think they're system quarterbacks, and now they're doing things that I don't think that they're the guys to do it, if
2: that makes any sense. I think they're great. We'll see. I mean, I I, I think that, you know, you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott more. I I think uh, in the second half of that Indiana game, they started featuring him, and he broke for three long runs in that game. So I think they're going to start feeding him more uh, for the rest of the season. But we're going to take a break. Uh, We're going to finish up with some college uh, football, and then we're going to talk about the NBA a little bit when we come back. (laughs) We'll be right back. <laughs> back.
4: is a beauty. He's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's He's got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter.
0: Listen for Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. Live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
1: You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to jd harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Well, thank you, Nadia, for uh, bringing us back in. It's that time of the show.
0: Houston, we have a problem.
3: And our problem, my problem, has to be with my lookalike because I'm older than him. New York Knicks head coach Derek Fisher and Matt Barnes got a little throwdown over Matt Barnes ex. Have you been checking up on that, Reese?
2: Yep, I just saw the article uh, about an hour ago, actually, and I, I definitely wanted to talk about that. But so what's uh, man, your that's thoughts, crazy. Man? What's your thought, man? Look, man, I, I was just uh, texting with, you know, our guys, Zell and Rob and everybody. Man, you can't mess with a married woman's wife. I don't care if they're estranged or not. You know, if they're married and and I guess uh, Barnes came and saw Fisher over at the crib, or whatever. Dude, that's a no, no. That's an absolute no, no. I guess Fisher was in town. He had a, a week, uh, you know, a couple of days off. For practice and uh wanted to see his kids out in cali but uh man come on man that, that's a no-no you don't mess with no man's uh wife i don't care if they're estranged separated or whatever and on top of that you guys are teammates back in the day come on dude really and, so, you, know, <laughs> and you know d fish was probably
3: like you know she was telling him all the stuff matt done, has probably done and he you know, this is a lot of assumptions, and he's like, Yeah, I was on the road with him, I know how he is,
2: <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. That's a, man, that's absolutely unethical, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, y'all are supposed to be boys, it's supposed to be some type of cold, and y'all are teammates. Come on, I guess you can't say too much because apparently. Uh, who was it? Jason Richardson was messing around with Steve Nash's wife. So I, I guess that's how they roll in the NBA. But that's crazy, dude. Oh, you forgot
3: about uh, San Antonio too.
2: Oh yes, uh, yeah. Tony Parker and Brent, or Barry's wife. I mean, yeah, it, man, that's that's crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. But I mean, uh, it, and, and it
3: happens with the yeah, what but the, you know. It, we know, now we know for sure Matt Barnes won't be playing for the Knicks.
2: <laughs> oh, no, he'll never be playing for the Knicks. As long as Derek Fisher is there, he's not going to be in the Knicks uniform. Even though they might need him, he's not going to be a Knicks uniform. But what tripped me out, though, was, you know, reading the article and it's talking about Derek Fisher hasn't decided whether he's going to press charges or not. Press charges? What? Really? I mean you coming out you coming in here and mess with a, a grown man's wife and I, I, I must say even though they're estranged or separated you don't do that. And you you're you're messing with his wife knowing knowing that she's married to him still. Come on man. You press a charge that that leads me to believe that you took a couple of blows to the mouthpiece. You know, so you you might want to take a couple of more days off from from the uh, cameras. And I think uh, they were saying that uh, NBA security uh, will be on it. But most of them are over in Europe for the preseason games over there. So, man, it's just crazy, man. Crazy.
3: I mean, getting her, you know, talking about restraining orders and all that. And then they were talking about, you know, when the the two teams play each other, what may happen and all that. So
2: that's that'd be interesting. The nonsense so hey uh did you uh check out the article in the chicago tribune i believe where matt forte was talking about how rap music was negatively negatively influencing the gang culture and the violence in the city of chicago and you know i i saw that posted on facebook and i was kind of surprised at some of the people's comments you know they were saying you know who is who is Matt Forte to comment on this, you know, blah blah blah. He doesn't know anything. He's blaming it on 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 music, you know, just like somebody would blame a movie for violence. But the thing is, I I agree with it. I absolutely agree with everything that he said, and especially if you understand, you know, the culture, the gang culture, you know, I'm not in that, but like the music that is coming out of Chicago specifically from, uh, you know, gang-related music, like this drill music where they're actually calling out hoods and calling out sets and calling out people from rival gangs within the music. So, yeah, I mean, what he said has a lot of validity in it. And the thing is, Matt Forte is doing a lot of work in the in the inner city, so he knows firsthand because he's talking to the kids there. So I had a problem with uh, some of the comments that I saw on there, so... Uh, and, and I think it's a fact. Music does influence the culture.
3: Oh, I mean, music influences people, period. And uh, I had a debate with one of my good friends uh, one time out here. I was like, so when you're having that private time with your significant other, are you playing, uh, what, Ludacris or Lil Wayne? Or are you playing some Luther Vandross? And then... They answered my question, they said, "Luther Maxwell, I was like, "Okay, so why are you playing that? Because setting the mood, so if it doesn't influence, why are you playing that to set the mood
2: exactly you know?
3: and I was yeah, like exactly or pre-game. And
2: I, I think that's what I th- go ahead no i i i was I was just gonna say, I think that's what some people fail to realize, I mean, even when we're talking about uh." You know, movies and TV shows, you know, one of the beefs that I have is with a lot of people that are watching Empire and Scandal and, you know, they not understanding how, you know, watching these things. Yeah, they say it's entertainment and they'll say the same thing about music, but it's affecting a culture. It's making it seem like infidelity is OK. It's making it seem like, you know, you know, going all out for money is, is OK, You know, so, I mean, these issues that we see in music and movies and entertainment, you know, they do affect the psyche of especially impressionable kids. You know, we're talking about 14, 15, 16 year old kids on on the street corner making these YouTube videos, drill music, talking about shooting kids down the street.
3: Well, and and to go to kind of. Cooperate with all this or acquiesce with it like uh, yesterday I had the opportunity uh, to film or do a commercial for Visa with Larry Fitzgerald and um, whatchamacallit Kurt Warner and we also so I looked and I saw a gentleman there and I was like he looks familiar that's freaking filthy Phil from Sons of Anarchy and one of the things that my brother Brendan and I talked about Like, we were watching Sons of Anarchy. And to the point, and I had told uh, Filthy Phil yesterday, I was like, man, that is one of the most well-written scripts or TV shows I've ever watched. I was like, it made black dudes from Chicago want to be bikers. And and look, (laughs) in that type of biker gang, I didn't want to shower. I let my facial hair grow. And when the part when Opie died, it was like me losing you. (laughs) and or one of my other boys it took days like man and I had to realize it was a show (laughs) and Brent and I talked about that and so I was telling uh, Filthy Phil that which his name is Chris and he was like yeah it, it, it was like that even for us on the set
2: wow yeah it's crazy man but hey you know we only have about 30 seconds left uh quickly the start of the NBA season I'm so happy uh, the Bulls, you know, they started off slow last night in the preseason game, but I like what they're doing. They're hoisting a lot of threes, so I'm looking forward to the season. Quickly, Cubs and Pirates tonight. Who do you have? Let's go, Cubbies! I'm a Sox fan, but tonight I'm a Chicago baseball fan, so I'll be pulling for the Cubs. And the crazy thing is, after that, they, you know, they'd have a series with uh, St. Louis. So uh, it was good talking with you, J.D., Thanks, Reese. Hey, good it's job been, with the show. It's been real.
3: All right. Thank you all for listening. Yep. And we'll check you out next week with our picks, too. Peace out.
1: All right. We're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of The Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.